calls it the i just pulled it up the egyptian mummy neck prank and he's basically like standing up and he has his arms crossed on his chest and then the guy is holding like essentially like his both hands like on his ear kind of and george just like leans left and goes like all the way down to like a 30 degree angle and keeps his neck just like perfectly parallel to his body and he does like five reps of it and i'm like this would seriously snap my neck Lit. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Open Wheel Debrief with your host, Patrick Hamilton, and co-host, Tom Settle. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the AutoNation IndyCar Challenge and Lando Norris's domination at the Circuit of Americas. We're also going to be talking about our F1 wish list and tracks we hope to see the F1 circuit run around this year. All that and more on today's episode. Listen, I haven't talked to racing all week, so I'm like, I'm ready to roll. Let's eat. All right. Yeah. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Open Wheel Debrief. Welcome on my good friend, Tom Settle. Welcome back. 10-4. 10-4, good buddy. Today, we're going to be talking about the AutoNation IndyCar Challenge and Lando Norris's dominating victory people are calling it the spin to win his little spin in the middle of the race he was able to overcome and just put in dominating lap times to pull away the victory dude the whole day he was honestly kind of making the indy card series look like the b team out there uh it was funny hearing some of the guys talk on their streams like they were a little embarrassed during just practices of seeing the laps that norris was able to pull out a new car to him, a new setup, a new game. And he comes in and is putting half seconds on uh, the rest of the field. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I, I just thought that, you know, I was watching the race and I'm like, Oh man, this is kind of cool. But I found myself rooting against Lando Norris, even though I'm a huge fan when I see him racing an F1, I just didn't want him to basically embarrass some of the IndyCar drivers, but really that's what it ended up being. It was, yeah, Totally. Him just lapping driver after driver after driver. And it, it, it again, it just felt like Lando Norris had a superpower on the track. Yeah, definitely. And I, you could tell the guys were kind of intimidated by it at first, like when Lando came in. And I, I don't know the whole dynamic between the IndyCar series and the Formula One drivers, like whether they do think there's a hierarchy there. I'd be interested to like kind of get the inside scoop on that. But I, I think really, though, like Lan- they all just know Lando has spent a ton of time on the simulator and like probably more than any professional race car driver like out there right now. And so they were a little like, OK, this guy is going to probably run laps around us. And the fact that it is an F1 circuit, I, I don't think the IndyCar guys like wouldn't know the track as good as Lando, considering they did l- race it last year. Mm-hmm. But maybe that played a part in it. Um, I'm not sure. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, really, if you think about it, IndyCar only did one year last year. But Lando Norris, even though he might have had some experience in some of his uh, in his FP3 championship, maybe he was able to run in Coda. I don't even know if they ran in Coda. But um, it shouldn't be that much of a difference. But it was that point that you were making earlier when we were talking, Tom. It was the circuit 
tracks expose the sim racers in a different way. You can tell those who have had years worth of experience, like you were talking about with Lando and those who are kind of brand new, it puts generations kind of at a disadvantage. For example, you're seeing Tony Kanaan struggling, especially getting a wreck in turn one with cold tires just spinning out into some competitors. Um, and you have other drivers, again, that just didn't put in the lap times. Like you had young Pato Award really trying to compete I mean, with Lando Norris. But, I mean, he was by far the most talented sim racer on that track. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you got to look at like every turn is an opportunity to mess up or it's an opportunity to gain time. And so you come from oval racing where there's four corners, you know, rounded three corners sometimes. It's you see your lap times on qualifications within, you know, eight tenths of a second where I think the qual times between on the on the Coda track we're across three second intervals. So mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Like, like you said, you see who's been practicing and you see who's like really standing out. I agree completely. And Lando Norris totally deserved the win. Even with the spin, man, you could tell he was just a man with the superpower that was able to overtake anyone um, that was in sight. Yeah, most definitely. Watching him overtake was so entertaining. He would, you can just tell, like, he's so comfortable with the game. He would come right up on their tail and just kind of give them a little shimmy and then, like, dive inside on a corner, and it would just look so clean. He wasn't playing bumper carts anywhere. Like, he was a very precise, very tuned to his car. It's 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 cool to watch. I agree. And I was even watching, you know, Lando Norris put out a YouTube video where he was um, basically showing the highlights of everything, and he showed where he spinned. And it was kind of an amateur mistake where he got on the accelerator too early coming out of that last turn, really causing him to spin on the front straightaway. But even him pulling away down into turn one already, I think he was in P11, but he was like, ah, sorry, mates. Like, right. You know, apologizing to his engineers, but I mean, within the first sector of Coda, he was already passing three different cars that he fell behind. It was almost seemed effortless. Right. But it's interesting too. Like, let's talk about that. Cause I was thinking and I was reading something, I think on Reddit comparing or just looking at Coda as a track and how kind of how it's designed and the differences between formula one cars and Indy cars. And basically there's like, there's just some turns in Coda that are technically designed for a hard F1, you know, circuit. Like I think it is turn 11 where they come down the straight it's almost a hairpin turn and it's like an off camber, like 160 degree turn, mm-hmm. like something like that for an Indy car is super hard where like an F1 car is like glued to the pavement compared to an Indy car. And so that's why you see a lot of these rule changes where F1 or uh, Indy cars can use, you know, beyond the, the yellow and white lines, they can kind of use every bit of asphalt there is. Right. That's basically not grass. Right versus the F1 is is contained to the the marked boundaries uh, on the course. And so Lando coming in, um, obviously from Formula 1 and into an IndyCar, early in his practices, you could tell, like, he was always complaining about the car being, like, super loose, super, like, loosey-goosey, because I think he's used to the cars just being absolutely glued to the road. 
And so there was an interesting video on his second YouTube channel uh, where he goes through the, kind of the debriefing process with his engineer for a, a specific code of practice. And it was just amazing to see how technical their conversation was and how dialed in they get their car. And in a matter of like 48 hours, Lando was, I mean, clearly comfortable with the car when he was putting half second, you know, ahead of the best indie car racers there are right now. Right absolutely dialed in and it was amazing you know i've always wanted to be a race car driver and i want to i'd like to say that it'd be a decent one but as soon as you start talking that engineering talk and then dialing everything in you realize man i'm i just i'm meant to commentate on this and not actually drive (laughs) because dude it's insane without a doubt there's just language that we don't know about but it was a good insight i agree i saw the youtube video it was good insight to hear them really tune in their lap times and again all of that effort really paid when he was out lapping every single car and what was it willpower qualified second and he was a half second behind in lap times that is just insane to think about right and lando wasn't even happy with his qual he's just it's it wasn't even close to his best um but like he was he was far above everyone else it just it just shows you how much talent you have to have to be able to drive the F1. And again, I I don't know if you can compare simulation. That's just simulation experience on top of it being an F1 track. But also, I feel like there is a little bit of talent that has to play into how quick Lando was this weekend. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it got me thinking too. I was like, dang, because I totally agree. You can't totally compare this apples to apples because it's a simulation. But I want to see, and it would never happen, but to get a, like a current Formula One driver in his prime to race an IndyCar circuit and kind of see like where is this hierarchy of IndyCar and Formula One? Is it kind of the stepping stone to Formula One or is IndyCar kind of the retirement play for Formula One drivers out of their prime? I mean, we kind of see that in, in, in recent decades. Yeah. So, yeah, I. I, I, I think I think what will be really good is have Lando participating in the virtual Indy 500, even though it's going to be nowhere, just absolutely a tenth of what the actual Indy 500 is. Even though it's in the month of August this year, it's still going to be a tenth of what the actual race is going to be. I still feel like there's going to be some sort of the way NBCSN is going to present the race this coming Saturday. It's going to be some sort of traditional like this is may this is a big deal they're going to try and hype it up as much as possible i still think it'll be very cool to have lando if he part is confirmed participating in the race i think you know it'll just shine a little light whether that be into lando's little group of charles leclerc alex albon george russell um, all those kind of young drivers i feel like it will give them some sort of insight into how cool the month of May is in Indianapolis. And I feel like, you know, it's a small stepping stone. It might not get us there, but I think it will give Lando some sort of insight into how cool, you know, participating in the Indy 500 should be. So I thought it was very interesting. Um, Hopefully Lando participates next week. I think you and I might try and do something very special for the race, but again, we'll both be glued to the TV. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. And I agree. I think it'd be cool for him to see it. Um, and maybe a chance for redemption for the IndyCar guys coming to kind of the bread and butter of our sport 
where Lando has no experiences on oval racing. So I I don't know, come Indy, come an Indy race like this. Like, I think I'm definitely rooting against anyone outside our, our, outside of the IndyCar sport to come into, to come into Indianapolis and win. So, you know, I really hope the, the series guys can, can pull one out because that would kind of be hard to watch to see Lando come in first timer and win on, you know, the most iconic oval there is. And I hope they do something, some sort of special segment on the broadcast where they highlight how important it is, whether it's virtual or not. Again, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Motor Speedway deserves to be just treated with some sort of respect, some sort of humble praise of the track because it is that special. I know you and I have been there plenty of times for multiple races and we just get blown away every single time. It is the Holy land for Without sure. Doubt. So let's talk about a couple other drivers. Uh, Pato award coming home, taking a second place. I thought a very strong drive, a McLaren one, two for IndyCar. Yeah. Got to love that for the sponsors, <laughs> but no, he rode, he rode really well. And he was even, he was a threat to, uh, Lando near the exactly. end. They were on basically the same strategy, but he had a couple more push to passes near the end and it was coming down it to the made line. It entertaining. And I know that uh, Pato Award has F1 hopes and dreams. And that's part of the reason that he is in McLaren, I guess McLaren Aero um, racing team is because he has that hope to one day race in F1. So I thought, even again, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but the fact that he was able to compete, whether it was on a sim or not, the fact that he was be able to compete in lap times towards the end of the race with an F1 driver in Lando has to at least raise some sort of, you know, Hey, let's, let's bring this kid in and at least test drive. I felt like that at least deserves some sort of praise for a Pato award. Yeah, I think so. He, I mean, he had to be just geeking out even being with Lando and quote unquote teammates and, you know, having a bit of a, a chat with him at the end of the race and whatnot. Like that just got to be so cool for Pato. Um, I will say he got lucky near the end. I mean, so did Lando with Rosenquist spinning out near the uh, last right. lap, basically right. last I lap. Mean, what was it? Four laps to go, three laps to go. He spun out. It was really yeah. a high, high pressure, high intensity lap coming in. I mean, you knew that Lando was going to end up passing Rosenquist, but he for sure took out Lando going into, I think, what was that turn six or seven? He almost took him out, which would have made yeah. it very yeah. interesting for Pato award to see if he could have ended up sending off Lando, but all for the entertainment value. Yeah, most definitely. So that it was a cool finish. There was a competition yellow, uh, what maybe mid yeah, late race 12. I thought they brought it out. So that was good to see. Uh, first competition yellow we've seen in this iRacing series, correct? First, I, first competition yellow since Barber, but uh, that was the last road course that we had. And I agree with the competition yellow coming out for a road course. I think that that forces some sort of different strategy, on, you know, or else we would have seen everyone go on the same strategy as far as, you know, what lap they're piss- pitting, the lap range. You would have just seen a one-stop all around. But that competition yellow was strategically placed perfectly where you had some people trying to stretch it towards the end like Felix Rosenquist was able to push it I think to lap 18 till he pitted which gave him 
the ability to run full out towards the end of the race as a one stopper. But you had other people like Lando who just put in the amount of lap times where you were able to just push it throughout and end up taking over Felix Rosenquist. Right, right, definitely. And like with a, a circuit like this, it's your result sheet very much reflects your qualifications, which is different from what we see in the oval racing where guys will explicitly say like, oh, quals doesn't really matter that much because one, the times are so close and two, you're, you know, going three wide most of the race and wrecks are kind of what play a, a factor into the race where a race like this, it's more don't make mistakes you know, fastest car is the fastest car, and it and it really does come down yeah. to your lap times. And oh, that's almost why it makes me so excited for this Saturday's race is because we've had short ovals the entire time. This is the first really huge oval that we have with IMS, where yeah, lap times actually do kind of matter coming in this Saturday, and it really again puts some experience comes into play. Uh, you can't really get away with again. Qualifying does matter a little bit more. Um, experience matters a little bit more. So um, it's going to be very exciting to see what they do this Saturday. Do you think, Tom Settle, if we should put in a competition yellow for the Indy 500? Um, I don't think it'd be necessary considering they're running such short races anyway. I mean, I don't know. What do you think they'll do, 50 laps at Indy? Yeah, what's it supposed racing? to be? 175, I thought. So, 175 divided by... Um, so, you're talking about with 175 miles, it's going to be 70 laps. So, if you put in some sort of competition, you know, middle of halfway, you're going to really put in some strategy because I know the pit, the pit range is somewhere between 35 and 40 laps. So I feel like if they put in another competition yellow at around lap 30, you're going to have some people trying to stretch it into one stop. You're going to have some people trying to stretch it or put the accelerator down and go to, into a two-stop strategy. So I think they should put it out just for competition stakes, bunch everyone together, make it an interesting ending. But I get people who don't want that kind of, again, Sticks to tradi- tradition around Indianapolis, and everybody loves tradition at IMS. Yeah, that's for sure. But seventy, I think seventy laps. It's a good. Uh, that'll give a good taste of what you know. You'll get some real strategies out there. It won't be all you know, pedal to the metal. So uh, yeah. I think it's good. Good length. And you've seen people like Simon Pagano in oval races before, who really just kind of lay off in the beginning stages, and that benefits them in the long run. And that you know, again. Everyone who's rate Simon Pagano has won both ovals based off strategy. So uh-huh. somehow I want this race not to be so much about strategy at the end. I don't know how they can do it. I think competition yellow might help, but as long as there's no strategy and it's purely racing, I think that'd be the most beneficial thing for IMS in the long run. Yeah, no, I think, I think I agree with that. It'll be interesting too. I bet we see a lot of our over oval hitters come back up to the front next week. Um, I know a lot of guys that were winning the over or doing well in the over races, not so much struggled in this uh, coda, but definitely didn't do as well. I know Pagano fell out of the top 10. Um, a lot of those Penske guys just weren't really 
driving the race right. like they and normally honestly, are. This is something I had written down. You got to feel bad for Will Power, man. He has been in the top five the entire time um, for all this virtual Grand Prix, this virtual races. He's really been putting in the time, putting in the effort, finishing top two, top three, top five. And he was being fairly competitive with Lando until the cold tires coming out of the pits, going into the, a couple of those um, high-speed corners, just lost it. Lost it twice, too. It was unfortunate, kind of embarrassing for him, um, showing that on on NBCSN, just wiping out two times in a row. Yeah, it's been it's been either bad luck for him or, like you said, just like one mistake. But I mean, at the end of the day, that that can cost you the race right. anywhere. So it's much the same. You almost think he's uh, so hungry that the even though it's virtual, the the Indy one seventy five must be some sort of redemption for him. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think all the drivers are going to be extra motivated virtually going to the IMS. But, uh, yeah, I think Will Power, I'd like to say he's due, but uh, we'll see. But, dude, I'm looking at the results right now and going down the list. Santino Ferrucci, this guy, is officially on my shit list now. He uh, was talking mad shit to Philippe Nasser during the Coda race, and it was it was cl- coming clear in on uh, Daily's stream. <laughs> And he said like something like, quote, there's a reason you're not a real race car driver. Ferrucci is a 21-year-old from, it sounds like a very privileged family in Connecticut. I think his dad is like loaded because daily they made the comment of like, well, Ferrucci's not getting fired. Like they lose all the sponsors. Um, and then I did some research on his dad and it looks like some hedge fund guy, billionaire. And um, anyway, this 21-year-old's calling out Philippe Nasser, ex-Formula One driver from Brazil, who's so much more experienced yep. than Ferrucci, and by no means a, a worse or a, a, a better, I mean, almost a better driver than Ferrucci, I'd say. Ferrucci drove well here, but has really had little time to prove himself, and he's already coming out with this hot head. I just don't know what it is with IndyCar and a lot of these younger kids like our age and younger, just have these big yeah, heads. Yeah, I mean, Ferrucci really did. He won Rookie of the Year last year at the Indy 500. Um, again, that was totally off. I don't know if, if you happen to see the love fest that Dale Earnhardt Jr. had for Santino Ferrucci. Some of those amazing passes that he had last year. So, again, a very talented driver. I get where you're coming from. I don't know why you would ever – Again, it's the disrespect that we talked about last week against Tony Kanaan. Why would you ever disrespect TK? Why would you ever disrespect Felipe Nazar at all? Again, very very experienced. Right. I mean, and I'm not I'm not even saying they're not like he's a very talented driver and they're all super good drivers. But just to come into the top of the sport, you got to be humbled, dude. Like this isn't indie lights anymore, man. Like you're not at the top of the grid like you were and you kind of just got to stay take a step back just like you would in corporate america or anything so it might bother you but i kind of like i kind of like santino ferrucci he's kind of a ballsy kid reminds me of a i don't know some sort of alexander rossi rossi-esque driver that i appreciate 
Um, so I'm personally a big fan of Santino Ferrucci. I, I get, again, comes off as a hothead, kind of a cocky kid. Doesn't help the fact that, there's, that he's coming for money. So I see why you might not like him, but I don't know. It, it, you need you need those bad boys in racing. Yeah, that's the truth. But one tick mark for me on uh, <laughs> Mr. Santini. Santino. All right. So overall, let's give me out of out of ten. Give me some sort of rating on this weekend's race. Mm, out of ten, I'm gonna give it a six. Front of the pack was fun to watch. Back of the race was nothing at all. I agree. I don't know if that is technically. I didn't get the chance to watch Connor Daly's stream. If there was anything funny going on towards the end of the pack, but I agree. I think I might go six point seven, based off the final last couple laps. Actually, had me interested and love to see Rosenquist kind of spinning out towards the end, making everything interesting. It was nice that Lando had a spin to win, made him actually have to earn it towards the end of the race. But again, really boring towards the middle of it. Nothing that I necessarily would would pay attention the whole entire race. Um, Didn't have anything to tweet about during the middle of it. But very, very excited for next week. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be moving on to our F1 wish list. We're going to be talking about the new F1 calendar. They've rescheduled and they're starting a... They're targeting a start date of July 3rd. They're going to try and start at the Australian or the Austria Grand Prix. They're going to be looking to start the actual race season with no fans in the European region. Uh, but Tom and I talked about it. We created, we're going to have a draft of the F1 racetracks that we want to see guaranteed on this year's schedule. So obviously with all the cancellations, there are going to be some tracks that we're not going to be seeing this year, like, the Australian Grand Prix at Melbourne. We're not going to be seeing that this year, unfortunately. But if we were able to draft races we want to see this week, uh, that's what Tom and I are going to be discussing. We're going to be picking out tracks and why. So, Tom, go ahead and get us kicked off with the track you would like to see most. Dude, of course. And worth noting, it's, what, April 27th now? And... Like you were mentioning earlier, they they came out with a couple like news today. So France is canceled, canceled, and so that adds mm-hmm. to the list with Australia. Monaco's canceled, canceled as well, right? Like definitely will not happen. And then, um, but they 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 kind of put a schedule around, and they said that we potentially could see fifteen to eighteen races this year. So that's yep. pretty promising. That kind of gets me 15, hyped. Fifteen to eighteen, um, I'll take it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so with those three for sure out, Australia, Monaco, and France, um, it's a bummer. But, um, hey, if we get 18 races, that's hype. But, unfortunately, that leads me into my first pick, uh, which is Monaco. Monaco, for me, is uh, the jewel of Formula One racing. Uh, Whenever I need to get hype or need some Formula One content and I go to Drive to Five, drive to survive i go season one and i watch that monaco episode because it's so sick um i I cannot watch enough the scene of tom brady throwing (laughs) daniel ricardo that football on the yachts 
across the Mediterranean. You know, like Monaco is just like kind of the glitz and glam of Formula One um, around this awesome weekend. But also, like, I just think it's the best and most fun race to watch. The circuit is just bonkers. Uh, worth noting, it's the second oldest running, currently running track in the circuit. Um, and it's just a very tight, you know, many turn circuit that always makes for a super interesting race. Some key parts of the track are that that crazy that early crazy hairpin by mm -hmm. that famous uh, hotel. I forget what they actually call the hairpin, but the cars slow down to like 30 mile an hour. Like they're basically in neutral, just going around that hairpin. And then you come around the back stretch on the Mediterranean side, and you got that scene where all the yachts are in there. And they go through the Nouvelle Chicane, uh, that that kind of barricaded chicane they make. And it looks like the cars can nearly like launch themselves oh, into yeah. the Mediterranean if they mess up. Is always a super exciting part of the race. And you see a lot of chances to pass there and a lot of wrecks and mistakes. Um and then also to the start of the race, you get that race to the first corner and it's absolutely nuts. It's enough space for maybe two cars wide that like six are trying to get through uh, because Monaco is much a race that if you're leading, you can block your way through leading a yeah. large majority of that race. So I love Monaco and uh, it kills me to know that we'll go without See, it this year. I think year. that's where you and I differ a little bit. I, I definitely... I'm racing. I respect the history at Monaco, as I am an IMS fan. I respect the history that goes on there, but as an American, as an IndyCar fan, it competes with the Indy 500. If it weren't for the Monaco Grand Prix, for it being basically the most important race all year for F1, you'd have a bunch of F1 drivers driving at the Indianapolis 500 all year. So really. I, I see your perspective. I understand why you want it on, on the on the calendar. But to me, you don't have that many opportunities to pass. Really, it comes down to car manufacturer. And if you really have a pure, purely better car, you can see passes. Like you can see a Ferrari passing some sort of Alfa Romeo, Romeo or a Williams. Wouldn't be that big of a deal. But once you get up into kind of the top tier of cars, you're going to see that many passes like you saw with the F1 Drive Just 5 this year. Lewis Hamilton had shit tires, but was still be able to hold on to the victory again because there aren't that many passing opportunities. So to me, I didn't have Monaco as my number one, but I did have Monza as my number one. The Italian Grand Prix, again, canceled this year, but it's just the temple of speed. I always feel like the crowd that's involved, to me, it's the most similar race to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. You have a lot of straights, a lot of passing opportunities. It comes down to who has the better engine. There really isn't that much tire wear involved in the race um, as far as going around the track. It's all about speed. If you have a Ferrari win by chance, you're going to see the absolute pandemonium that happened this year with Charles Leclerc. So for me, Monza is my number one racetrack that I want to see this year. Bro, you're nuts. You 
I, like look at the Formula One grid right now. How I don't see how you can think a race where pure power makes for the most interesting. Like the street circuits is what I think makes for such a fascinating race because the pure power courses you have two teams contesting. Where like a a, a race like Monaco, you have much more play into it than just pure power. Like you get, your chassis is like the biggest influencer to how well you're handling around the course but hey i mean agree to disagree i think you're drunk <laughs> agree to disagree i just again huge ims guy i feel like there's so much similarities as far as even though it might not be an oval again there's just a respect to the amount of speed you lay down in a track like monza so that's where that's where it gets the respect for me well i like it and i like the i like the terming of temple of speed mm-hmm. i think that's uh that's clever so second pick for me, um, I couldn't not have this on the list. Being an American mm. is Coda. I always i I think the races are good. They're not the best, but it's a it's a good circuit. It's one of the most technical um, on the calendar. But being an American, I think I had to choose this. I always love like the coverage of this kind of like fancy glitzy European sport coming to America and the, the, the fans that go to Coda to watch, it's like, it's kind of just like the NASCAR of America going to watch. And like, it's just like, you know, it's a lot of what you see in like the infield at the IMS. It's just like our redneck, you know, city coming off right. to watch I mean, racing, you, no matter what it is, you Austin, know, Texas, right uh, down, way down in Texas, you're just going to have people who are like, Oh, right. Wow. Racing going on. Let's check it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's uh it's a good opportunity for the Americans to get out and see the sport. And, and it's, it's an awesome circuit. I think, you know, we saw a little bit in the iRacing uh, this past weekend, but mm-hmm. that turn one, I think it's always so cool. It's like it, it's a deceivingly like massive climb to that turn one, especially from the start when they kind of start at like the bottom of this huge hill. Um, you know, I think they're only going like upwards of 50 mile an hour to get to that turn, turn one, because it is so steep of a grade. And then also I think it is turn 11 near the backside where you have that super fast straightaway coming into that turn at like nearly 180 mile an hour yeah and you're exiting at like 50 and it's kind of like an off camber hairpin type turn uh usually makes for a really interesting pass opportunity or sometimes drivers will make mistakes on their own but second pick i had i, I had As american, american i definitely have it, them so. in my my top five so love love coda i get it's like the turn one, you it's so wide. It's acceptably wide too. For a blind turn, you can fit almost four cars in that first turn. So it just causes for chaos in that first turn. So my second pick mm-hmm. transitioning, I just it's so cool in the F one drive to survive and it again just generates entertaining racing is Azerbaijan, the city street circuit. It's basically what they it's it's caging in bulls as they go down the city streets it's so fast you have that long long stretch of speed uh down those couple of streets that just again fulfills my need for speed 
you have some of the best engine power winning and you can overtake long DRS zones, generates more passing, but also you have such a technical and tight turn radius into the castle section where you had Charles Leclerc just stating how stupid he is um, crashing into the walls. But again, you've seen some people in the past that have created some great surprise podium finishes and some very top results like Charles Leclerc finishing, what was it? P five or I think he finished P four with Alfa Romeo back in 2018 or 2017. And then you had um, Lance Stroll Uh finishing P three back in 2017. So you always got to love to see the surprise pull finishes. That's why I'm going to pick Azerbaijan in my number two spot. Yeah, dude. Baku is my three. And this is a race I will like never miss to watch. Uh, I would always love playing on the Formula One video game. This is a a circuit I would hit over and over and over and over again to try to get my best time because it's so fun to race on. Um, but it's also so easy to mess up. Like you were mentioning the, the castle, like it's mm. turn eight, that like crazy ass chicane where basically you come in, your left front brushes the wall, your right front brushes the other mm. wall. And like, you kind of just thread the needle and it's, it's an opportunity where you can like literally finish, like end your race. If you hit that corner, like an inch too far to the left or whatever. And then also, too, you have moments like that. And then, like you were saying, it's you can get so fast on mm-hmm. the, what is it, front stretch where it's nearly turnless. And they're going like 210 mile an hour down Flying. the city streets Just... of Azerbaijan. It's insane. Flying. I mean, that's like going 210 down Keystone towards the Monument Circle and then like ripping some crazy turns downtown indianapolis it's, and it's like, one of my favorite I mean, races again over the past 10 years azerbaijan has by far averaged the most cautions in or in virtual safety cars and actual safety cars than any other track which creates more havoc more chaos more drama i just think every year azerbaijan is a must watch race yeah i completely agree so that was my three i'll move on to my four and Honestly, it was it was so easy for me to come up with those three, and then I like didn't really know what to choose for four, so I had to do a little research. Um, mm. I came up with Spa, the Belgium Grand Prix, which, looking back on some of the races, I think it's just it's it always makes for a good race. You know, the the race usually goes on like early fall, sometimes late August, early September, and in Belgium that just typically means you got rain. And you got variable weather. And this circuit is so big. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest on the entire calendar. There's stories of it raining on the front stretch, sunny on the back. Um, There's just those extra variables that I think make for an exciting race. And then also, I think one of the key features is on the back stretch, a little, I don't know if you call it a chicane, more just like a little shimmy called the Il Rouge where these guys are coming in on a downhill at nearly 200 plus, And they basically just crank the wheel and hang on for dear life and like, don't break. And this is where I just see like how athletic these guys actually are. They're taking G forces that would like put me in my grave. And 
it makes me realize why they do all those weird neck neck exercises right. and whatnot and how like strong these guys actually are but fe- but features like that are like they look like life or death situations and it feels like and every time you watch a replay or an onboard so, camera that again they're gonna lose it going into the into that chicane or that little shimmy as you call it so again i agree belgium exactly. is definitely on 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 my top five so um i'll move on to to my number three spot which would be uh brazil interlagos just i'm a mm. huge fan of entertaining racetracks that end up with surprise podiums and like we saw last year carlos signs getting a p3 pierre gasly getting a p2 yeah just a beautiful race last year one of the most entertaining we've seen by far towards the end second to last race at least in the past i don't know what it's going to be end up being this year but it just that much more importance placed on brazil creates for that much more entertaining of a run um you know you have that long i guess you want to call it a front stretch that last corner leading into the front stretch down to a tight turn one and again another passing opportunity mm-hmm. in in the second straight but still there are multiple opportunities where if you really want to send one down on the inside you can send it on a couple of the other corners in, in sectors two and three so i think brazil another very entertaining race where it doesn't necessarily count on on speed or what type of car you have it it counts on on strategy the tire wear that you're playing the pit strategy that you have that that can lead to a great result yeah okay i think i see your style a little bit you gotta have your your speed you gotta have your long straightaways but also your your passing opportunities on some tight corners so brazil's brazil's a cool course also i think to mention it's one of the highest um elevation courses there are so it's kind of like some interesting engineering tactics that go into those turbocharged engines um i don't know i don't know how high high sao paulo Hmm. is but um i think it's up there so my number four and final pick has to be bahrain uh a race in the desert very interesting under the lights like you talked about i have a trend it's do you have long straightaways? Are there great opportunities for passing? And I think Bahrain is a perfect example. Even though it's the second track of the season, usually it's very, very entertaining as far as racing goes. You have the great duel of 2014 uh, with Nico Rosberg and Hamilton. Um, you just can have some great duels. Charles Leclerc should have should have won back in 2019. I'm excited to see if he can defend or um, excuse me, redeem himself in 2020. But I just think Bahrain, under lights, one of the very, very cool races for F1. Sparks flying all over the place, heading down into turn one, especially on that second straightaway, uh, heading down into, I guess, what's that's turn four. So entertaining to watch. Uh, definitely, definitely on the top four of my favorite races. I like that. I like that circuit a lot. It's, it's I think, really cool to watch the races under the lights. And I think they made for one of the, some of the coolest episodes as well in the Drive to Survive series. So I'm always a sucker for the uh, races under the lights. Yeah, without a doubt. Again, just shows you how far the sport has come um, from way back in the day, back to to 2020. The fact that we can have races under the lights is is awesome. But 
Um, a couple of my uh, honorable mentions would be Mexico. Always have some rowdy fans. Unbelievable the fact that they can basically race into a baseball stadium and you have that many fans surrounding the entire place. Still have a long, long straightaway where there's some sort of passing opportunity towards the end of the racing season. So there's always some sort of drama. Um, and then my final honorable mention is the Austrian Grand Prix. Gotta love Max Verstappen and all of his uh, rowdy fans trying to come together. Definitely made for an entertaining race last year. Two long stretches for an opportunity to pass. Um, technically three, if you really want to want to talk about that um, long long front stretch. Um, so again, I have some definite favorites. I don't necessarily like some of uh, the really fan favorites. As far as not a fan of Monaco, uh, not a fan of some other uh, street course races. I'm all about the entertainment value, the fan value, and speed, baby, speed. I like that. I still, uh, I don't really quite understand how you can keep Monaco out of that list, but hey, suit yourself. <laughs> you got, you got your wish this year. So, yep. Huh. Well, cool. That was, uh, those are, those are some good, good tracks and hopefully we see all of them out there on uh, this calendar. Did you see this? Yeah, who was it? It was George Russell, or maybe it was an F1 account. I think it was F1's Instagram account. Posted the video of him doing that like crazy neck plank with the guy that was like holding his head. Did you see this? F1, you said? Yeah, it was F1 Instagram. You might have to go down a little bit, but it's crazy. He calls it the, I just pulled it up the Egyptian mummy neck prank. And he's basically like standing up and he has his arms crossed on his chest. And then the guy is holding like essentially like he has both hands, like on his ear kind of And oh, George just like is. leans left and goes like all the way down to like a 30 degree angle and keeps his neck just like perfectly parallel to his body. And he does like five reps of it. And I'm like, this would seriously snap my neck. <laughs> I'm looking but at it right now. That's insane. Isn't that nuts? He just looks he looks like he looks like he's shitting himself as he's going down to the floor. And oh, then yeah, at the end just... of his reps, he's just like, Oh, all right, good rep, good rep. It was yeah. sick. <laughs> he like gasps for air at the end of it too. And I'm like, damn, is this what it takes to get P sixteen on the grid? Like I'm wondering what Lewis is doing. Dude, not what even P sixteen, man. <laughs> I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, that's generous. That's generous. But that was kind of a cool video. I was like, oh my gosh. Part of me wanted to try it, and then I was like, no, I think this might actually kill me. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. I'm not a workout buff now, and I don't think it will be in the future, and that definitely would hurt me. Oh yeah. Permanent permanently potentially paralyze me. So yeah, that was that was a social media bit I got out of this last week. Also, Lewis Hamilton treated us with a nice Twitter slash Instagram post today. You know, Lewis, the flower child he is, put a quite uh, inspirational Instagram caption up about how he's how Dude, he's missing racing, but how great this is for our world, and that less animals are being slaughtered, 
let's come back a better world, yada, yada, yada. So, I, Lewis, I look, love you. His last name's Hamilton. I got to love him to death. But damn it, dude. I mean, you literally... I I can't handle it. He's... Ba- I, again, millionaire. If you look at his story, it's him running, flexing. I'm looking at it right now. He's flexing hardcore. And it's it's really sexy if you if you look at it, but so hot. <laughs> but damn it, dude! I, again, just a little bit over the top. I, he's a driver, and I get it. You wanna you wanna try to conserve the planet, but you're literally burning fuel as you're running around the track. <laughs> so to me, I just can't respect it as much. <laughs> yeah, that's actually so funny. Lewis is an influencer first racer racer second except he's literally the most talented racing driver we've seen in a long time yeah this doesn't make sense to me no he's 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 a good lad good old bloke but last name hamilton gotta appreciate the guy gotta appreciate yeah i always forget you guys are related (laughs) lucky lucky to have him in the blood again maybe maybe i can contact my my brother and we'll see if he can come on the pod yeah, yeah. Always welcome. Always welcome. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's episode of the Open Wheel Debrief. Got to say thank you to our fans and loyal listeners out there. As always, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate us five stars. Um, we appreciate our loyal listeners. Join us next week as we talk about the Indy 500 virtual race and F1 going to Brazil this coming weekend. So join Tom and I as we discuss the race, what partakes, the winners, the losers. Man, we all miss actual racing. So join us next week. Love you all. You're the night sky trying to make me see your stars. The dark gets lonely. Now I see violet. I can feel silence. And the dark's all that I see when your stars have burnt out. And your heart makes no sound. I'll find violet in your eyes. You'll always be my night sky. Open Wheel Debrief by Tom Settle and Patrick Hamilton.